Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek. And uh, today I am joined once again by Sean from Trek on the Tube. And I just finished watching your latest video, so I'm very... (laughs) I guess I have to comment. (laughs) Wow, okay, there we go. I get get a live comment a live comment or maybe a, like a video response like back in the day, but it's cooler because you're actually there. <laughs> a, li- a live video response. This is amazing. Um, that was really good. I mean, obviously we had talked about it, so I pretty much knew what your thoughts were going to be. I like the presentation as always. Fantastic. But you got me thinking about something really cool. Uh, at the end when you, uh, towards the end when you spoke about um, the Saru scene and the, and the Kobayashi Maru reference, right? And it made me wonder, because Captain Kirk would have already graduated from the Academy at this point, right? Like, he's not in the Academy Absolutely. during Star Trek Discovery's events, right? So no, he's, he's, like, he's on a ship somewhere. He's on a ship somewhere. So that means that, like, that whole thing where they're like, um, we will not accept a no-win scenario means that Captain Kirk revolutionized the thought like that you know that's a post-Kirk Kobayashi Maru way of thinking. And I just really appreciated that because it meant that in some way he's already famous, you know, like he's already like done this. This is like the Kobayashi Maru was like his first uh revolutionary uh thing. I'm gonna say Captain Kirk's story is often related to uh Horatio Hornblower or one of these like things, but I think he's the George Washington of Star Trek. <laughs> I I've been the very interested. <laughs> I don't think the writers intended it that way. I think they just intended it as like a, um, a throwaway reference, kind of like a no-win scenarios has become kind of a, a Star Trek expression, uh, or at least it, it's a well-known expression within the Trekkie community. Right. And I think that's what the what's the, what, that's what they wanted it to be. But you're right. I did think about the same thing when I was making the video. I thought <laughs> this is awesome because they're saying this because Kirk completely screwed up the test. Right, he was the first person to do that. Apparently, everyone else just lost. Like up until, the, yeah, <laughs> up until I, I'm going to assume that the, like the, there's hard security on the Kobayashi Maru now, and, and there's like a, you know yeah. everyone's encrypting the the commands and what have you, so they can't do that. I would love to see how the Kobayashi Maru has evolved from like the original. Uh, you know, who knows how long it's been around? What if it was around like since like Captain Archer's days? Who knows? You know, but like, do we really know? I mean, I don't know how. Well, I guess I would have it. Um, I couldn't talk to you. About, I couldn't tell you about that. But I would have it. Um, like refit or re um recalibrated by like data. Yeah, in, in modern day. Good... <laughs> <laughs> like, well, modern day. I mean, TNG day. <laughs> TNG day. It is modern day for us uh, in in some ways, though. So it that's is. funny. With discovery, we live in the past. 
We do live in the past. So, <laughs> let, so let us talk about. So let us talk about the present and and yeah. So that was my TNG. that was my video response. I know, I know it would have been way cooler to comment. I'll maybe I'll still go and comment about it on your channel. But well, as 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 it stands, my only comment is first. So. <laughs> <laughs> excellent <laughs> so why don't you take it away and give us the episode title and summary what episode are we talking about today on Starfleet Boy we are officially talking about uh, TNG season 4 episode 15 uh, first contact so not the movie funny, but funny. the episode not the movie but the episode <laughs> it has to be said uh, and I, I I don't know if you've got a long summary, but my recap is really quick on this one, to be honest, um, because it is, though it's an amazing concept, it is very straightforward. Very straightforward, yeah. So essentially the Federation is collecting information on a pre-warp civilization or um, an about-to-warp civilization, um, and they've been doing so for a few years, and for whatever reason, the Enterprise has been sent there to help, and so they've got like a, um, an attaché on uh on the surface which is Riker, and he's um dealing with the federation um kind of officials that are already uh on the planet but it goes wrong and Riker uh, is sent to a hospital and therefore discovered because he is not of the same species as the people that live on the planet and uh essentially first contact procedure is accelerated at that point so Picard and Deanna Troy need to beam down to the planet, talk to a scientist, which is the um, leading engineer or the leading scientist uh, uh, on, their on the program, program of that planet. Yeah, and, she's the uh, Zephram so Cochran. She's the And so Picard and Troy. Uh, well, mainly Picard. I think Troy is just there, kind of moral support to help them out and what have you. It's always good to have an empath in those kind of situations. Um, but so uh, Picard tells her about um, what they've been doing and uh, how they deal with first contact, why they're contacting her in particular. And from then on, uh, it's pretty straightforward procedures. Everything that you could imagine would happen with an alien race contacting us pretty much happens. Uh, the authorities are contacted. Uh, some people have trouble accepting it but are fine with it. Some people have trouble accepting it and are not fine and one guy refuses to change and even tries to sacrifice his life to uh, to uh, stop this what he considers to be an invasion because he's afraid of change and he's afraid of uh, being part of this greater universe with all of these other aliens and ultimately uh, this which is an amazing ending to the episode uh, ultimately this decision pushes the Chancellor of the planet uh, to kind of decide and realize that his planet and his people are not ready to uh, be part of the Federation and continue on traveling in space. And he says that we're going to focus more of our resources on developing, what does he say? Um, uh, education. Education. Yep. There you go. And uh, all, all the good stuff before they one day become part of, hopefully, the Federation. And, uh, well, maybe not. Maybe they'll become part of the Roman and Star Empire. Who knows? But um, I don't think so. 
They look like a nice people. <laughs> the Melkorians, right? The Melkorians. <laughs> From Melkor 3. Melkor 3. It's always the third planet, gosh darn. It is. Um, it is. But, I mean, that's the Goldilocks zone, isn't it? It's true, it is. So, um, that, are, wait, is that's it. You got the whole thing, right? No. That's it. And, oh, yeah. uh, well, that, <laughs> oh, and there's the, the final little twist at the end, oh, yeah. uh, which is the, um, the leading cool. scientist really cool, yeah. uh, kind of is in a situation where she doesn't really have a place on the planet anymore because she's been wanting to go to space forever and she's going to have to keep all this a secret and you can imagine how hard life would be for her on the planet. So she asks for, I don't even know if it's political asylum or just for authorization just, to stay on the ship. Yeah, just to come with you. Yeah, it's kind and of... Can I come with? And uh, Picard <laughs> says, we, we might never come back to your planet in your lifetime. <laughs> and she's, she's like, she, she's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good with it. Let's let's go. And, that was uh, more worth it to hear your uh, Picard impression. Very good. Very good. <laughs> You're doing you a go. great job, number one. Oh, now get off my bridge. <laughs> oh my god! Um, two Picards interacting—it makes no sense. Um, anyway, no, it's it's. I'm gonna say it. Um, this is not only an amazing concept, but this is Star Trek at its best. It is a prime example of what I want Star Trek to be. Um, had it been done nowadays, maybe it would be a little more fast-paced. It might be a bit more action, etc. But, um, I mean... Essentially, it's a perfect episode, really, if you think. It is. It is. Um, it, um, it even, like, I, I remember what I really loved about it um, when I first saw it was how much it expanded my idea of what the Federation was, like, world building, you know? It was just, like, you really understood, like, uh, oh, yeah, that's how they contact species like that's that's like well you know first contacts go a variety of different ways but um mm. this, this was certainly like a classic example of a first contact i think and we can uh, assume this is the um the kind of baseline or the more traditional first contact that mm -hmm. happens now that the federation's been established for a while they know how to deal with this kind of stuff yeah it's not like how... that practice on the humans <laughs> it's true um, and and you know <laughs> Picard's definitely you see his like diplomacy skills here you see his like just like it's a deep episode because what he has to guide these like people through is is pretty heavy um yeah there's uh, the first thing I guess uh I want to talk about um is this is the first time we see this uh, notion of like you know masquerading as the um as the species so like Riker has like very superficial makeup this isn't the done. first time I'm pretty no, no, sure you're right the, no I'm just saying like sorry I didn't mean this is the first Deanna time. and Riker have already done this right the Mintakins yeah. it's true no 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 it's not that like I get, that's not where I'm going with this what I'm going with this okay, is no. uh like you know the Federation seems to do this thing a lot like it it was done in that one episode it was done here and then first contact the movie is about yeah. a duck blind observing a pre-warps what they thought was a pre-warp civilization but they add a nice little First twist contact insurrection twist isn't it oh insurrection that's what i meant <laughs> sorry insurrection it's is about <laughs> first contact the episode but it's insurrection yeah. the movie but where yeah, they have yeah, no first contact is first contact with the vulcans my bad but what i meant was insurrection thank you sorry insurrection or as humbert refers to it as uh, star trek 
erection. I don't know why he calls it that. <laughs> That's what he calls it. Okay, I've heard of Star Trek, the motionless picture. Um, but... <laughs> we'll have to ask okay. him at a future point uh, when he's on again what he what he means by that. But anyways, Insurrection, which is you know, which is a movie that's actually you know. I like it a lot. People don't. <laughs> I, I like all four TNG movies, to be honest. But I wonder. Oh, good. That's good. <laughs> but I, we're so aligned. But I wonder what the the ethics of this is, because like in that movie, real, you know, in first con in Insurrection, we realize, oh, it's like they were, you know, they were doing this covertly. And not only that, there was even a worse problem occurring in insurrection with what their plans were, was to move these people off their planet. But here in, in this, like, you know, it goes bad and it creates this huge problem for this, uh, for this like moment in these people's history, you know? And I wonder, you know, it's like maybe this is happening on earth right now. Like may, we might not be aware of it, but there might be like, observers among us that are, this, that are this, doing this, the same thing. This episode isn't just storytelling. This is, I mean, okay, it feels like someone's kind of wildest dream yeah. because you can feel that the person that wrote this episode is like incarnated by the scientist who absolutely wants to leave this planet and is absolutely wishing to be the one to meet Picard or whatever representative or whatever alien race. But it's kind of a dream that we all have. I mean, deep down, we all feel like, I mean, maybe this is just me, like a creepy sci-fi fan, but I, I'm constantly wishing to be that guy that meets that alien that comes to this planet. And he's like, hey, I've been watching, you know, <laughs> Earth and for a long time and humans, and you seem like the kind of guy and I'm like me what <laughs> um anyway it, it, this episode is just like a dream come true um it's so well executed i i love it uh you're Comparing you're to, uh, uh direction you're richard Sorry, dreyfus you're richard dreyfus in uh, close encounters of the third kind you're ready to to get oh god yes to get well i mean he goes crazy <laughs> Yeah, but, he didn't, well, he didn't, whatever. That's because they, they implanted a memory in his mind. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But he goes absolutely nuts. So, but no, I'm um, comparing to Insurrection. I think that if, if we were to look at this in a greater context, um, this would be, to some certain extent, how it goes well. So there's a minor flaw in this one is that Riker's discovered, but that's just a minor flaw. Insurrection is kind of like this, like a deep, dark plan going on but you can assume that this only happens once in you know however thousand many worlds that you know we're doing this to now curiously the vulcans had this kind of like protocol where they would only make first contact with pre with po you know civilizations that were developing uh interstellar space travel so warp warp capable mm. civilizations that was their like their hard line. They were like, if it's not a warp capable civilization, it needs to be protected and just left alone or whatever, you know? They're in the dark ages. They're in the dark ages. Um, yeah. So, but this, they didn't even wait really for them to launch their warp program. Cause remember in the beginning of the episode, like the, they, I guess they had all the science, and, but they hadn't actually done or had their first warp like test if i'm not mistaken did you catch that as well yeah well from what i understand of the episode um it's not really um they don't really go go on too much about it from what i understand 
they're, they're going to launch their test warp drive within days or weeks. Or weeks. Okay, gotcha. I thought it was like and, within and, a year or something like that. Okay. Okay, so, well, he says something about 10 months, but I don't. I didn't quite get whether it was the... Um, no, they're going to start construction of the of the model, and then within ten months it'll be it'll be built, and then they'll throw it gotcha. throw it into space. I guess that's. But then, so the Federation yeah. has been surveying them for what, like two years, maybe three. Yeah. Um, but that's a, an awfully small amount of time compared to like the evolution of a species, isn't it? It sure is, and also, so, it, you made you reminded me that like in the episode they also say that they do start out by listening to broadcasts so that's how they would have figured it <laughs> that's how they <laughs> it has yes. one of the funniest lines in all of star trek where she, she says i'd hate that you judge us from our popular music and culture and just, picard looks at it and goes indeed <laughs> Indeed, you're listening to shit. You're watching shit. <laughs> it's so but, but surely, just like today, like we hear updates every now and then about like uh, tests on fusion energy and things like that. So that's probably mm, how they earmarked yeah. the the Melkorians. But that is pretty yeah, funny. Uh, what, I, I, I think that we should... if someone's if someone's <laughs> listening to us, I think they're paying more attention to what Elon. Elon Musk is doing then like my anaconda don't my you know like, I mean I would hope so but indeed <laughs> indeed oh my goodness can you imagine if like based on our television uh, we're actually invaded because they're like these people are incredibly hostile and and like they're, they're like terrible and we need to go and just destroy the, the, them these before they find are, us these people are receiving like broadcasts of the walking dead and game of thrones they're thinking <laughs> what the hell is going on over there on that planet it's true this is mad, they also <laughs> they also might be receiving um receiving this actually um it's i think i hello? read somewhere that yeah can you hear <laughs> hello <laughs> i'm talking nanu, to nanu. i'm talking to people in the space now so nanu nanu um since uh since broadcast television has changed dramatically and it's mostly cable television and now with internet you know and stuff like that um apparently wi-fi signals don't have enough energy to escape the earth's atmosphere so mm we might not actually be sending out as many signals as we once were. Like we definitely are sending out like radio, you know, there's still radio programs on and things like that, but, uh, that's good. I think that's good. (laughs) I think it's fine. I think it's fine to have a, uh, like a more focused thread of like NASA sent stuff than just a whole bunch of garbage, garbage and Um, noise. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm fine with that. Ironically, uh, this, this phenomenon of, um, I, I'm sorry. I'm full of facts today, Sean. <laughs> I don't know if they're God. facts, but I don't know if they're actually Stuff facts. facts. But, but these are things facts. that I read that stuck in my mind that might be true. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> talk about a disclaimer. Um, <laughs> yeah, we are not an official source of information. We're not an official source of any kind of information, and we're very casual Maybe. and informal. Casual and informal. Um, but apparently, Doctor Who had this dilemma. The show Doctor Who had a problem where they had lost many of their episodes because they they weren't saved for for whatever reason or archived in in the early days. However, um, those TV programs bounced off of the um, 
uh, asteroid belt in our solar system and came back to Earth. And so they're re- they're now using this signal to reconstruct episodes of Doctor Who oh, that were thought God. to have once been lost. How trippy is that? See, I knew you. That's amazing. That's pretty because cool. I know, okay, I, I know for a fact <laughs> that back in the day when, when they used to make TV shows, sometimes they would actually like record the TV show or the radio program or whatever it was on top of the other episode. And they would just delete that shit. And then they would, you know, they would play the new one and what have you. And then, yeah, I never thought of, like, it's sending out and then coming back. Sirius is sending stuff back to us. That's amazing. Yeah, so it got reflected. They, they got and Doctor Who. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some fun facts that this episode inspired. And that's, I think, one of the best things about this episode is that it's, like, it inspires thought. Like, it, it forces you to kind of think. Forces you to kind of think and and you know stuff like that. What were your favorite? What were your, like favorite scenes uh, in the episode? I like everything. I like <laughs> everything because it's it applies so much to us. I like the the, the alien chick that wants to bang Rika. Oh, that's by uh, the way, that's BB Newworth, and she she was a Cheers alumni, and she's Frasier's wife. So this is for those of for those who like that Frasier. Uh, what's his name? Kelsey Grammer was on Star Trek. This was the actress who played his wife on Cheers and then uh, his ex-wife on Frasier. And oh, she's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you were going to um, say, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, yeah, I, I like I like that whole, like, she's a great let's actress, have sex yeah, and then, like, well, let's try to have sex. I don't know how they managed to accomplish that. They actually did it. I'm sure of that. It's just like, well, they, well, they tried their best, at least. And uh, I mean, she's talking to Riker, so he's like, yeah, I'm down. Um, I, like, I like that. I like the city shots. We get two or three shots of the city. And for some reason, every time I see a city in TNG, I just like them. Um, they don't, I know they're, they're matte paintings, but they, yeah. they and look I felt, nice. I felt like this one in particular was familiar. I feel like it's been used before, but I might be wrong. Maybe, but I think they just look, um, they have similar concepts. They mm-hmm. try to, I understand what they try to do. They try to make it look not so much like our architecture, but um, uh, still similar enough for us to recognize that it's a hospital or a governing, you know, kind of place or whatever. So, um, and what as did far I like? You definitely saw that they, if they're a society that's integrated technology. Uh, pretty seamlessly like the hospital had a lot of like familiar things but it also was pretty advanced Mm. like it had some you know other other kinds of technologies like i wouldn't place these people too far from where we are right now in our own no absolutely uh, not it 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 does feel a little maybe a little uh, i don't know if you watch black mirror yeah Um, it's true so so black mirror is kind of slightly more advanced than us in, in in every episode that they have right there the at some point in the future like in the near future yeah, as well, how but it, you can feel it's in the next maybe 20 maybe 30 years um and i think this civilization is pretty much there or at like at at most they're in 2063 right um <laughs> but um yeah no i i don't know it was it was there, amazing i also I'm, I'm not one to kind of um pay too much attention to this but um I did find it interesting that they chose a woman uh, to lead, like a female, to lead the um, war program. And um, as I said, I, I'm not one to pay attention to this. I mean, to and there was Je- Je- 
generally there seemed to be a more equal stance among men and women in this society too so it is like somewhere it feels like kind of like they're star trek's kind of saying like look it's not actually that far-fetched to imagine a civilization a civilization that's still not ready for com- you know to become part of this greater community mm-hmm. but that is also still a lot more advanced you know what i mean so like it kind of shows us a roadmap of where humanity might be <laughs> might be headed the only reason why i i, I noticed this and, and i actually mentioned it is because um tng or star trek in general has a way of making it just seamless um we don't insist on the fact that you know this war program is led by a woman we don't insist um on the fact that this doctor um is you know of not the same ethnicity it's just it it's is just, it is right like, that's how it, it is and um it's a post uh post um yeah they've been uh, through this post-racial world <laughs> yeah like you know and, uh, yeah. I, or gender anything post anything it's just post, post anything categorization I mean, <laughs> it's like <laughs> so here's the thing okay i thought you might like this um th- this is this is like deep star trek stuff so the last episode of discovery um showed us an ion storm where Lorca, uh, that's how Lorca got um, sent to the uh, prime timeline from the mirror universe. So the ion storm is is purple and it's got um, lightning and thunder and what have you. And I realized that it's exactly the same ion storm as they have in the original series. Right. Okay, now here's the link. During that ion storm in the original series, Kirk has a very, very, very similar speech to the one Picard has in this episode where um, he's he's, he's talking to the guy on the planet and he says, do you want to become part of the Federation? Because we would like to have access to your dilithium crystals. And the guy says, what if we don't want to? And Kirk says, well, we'll just leave you alone. He says, you could have, you know, you have the strength to blow us up. And he says, but we won't do that. Consider that. And he kind of looks at the camera all, consider that. (laughs) And then he he goes off. And Picard has the same exact moment with the leader of this planet where he says you know the other guy says you could blow us up and he goes yeah but we don't do that that's not how how we work and i really liked how that um that philosophy and almost the exact same speech has gone from one captain to another a hundred years later yeah Um, whoa and what crazy circumstances lined it up so that like yeah, you would have to even like notice that. Like, that's like so crazy. It's because I was watching those specific scenes, right? And I'm I got so impressed. And... That's very cool. That was uh, probably one of my favorite scenes. Was uh, Captain Picard um, doing having that that conversation with the the president? And as a matter of fact, I really like that character of the president. Like he like he was very surprising because he's an older person but he is super interested in uh personally he wants to like he's ready he's like war program let's go you know it's like they chose him to be the leader that you would want you want that kind of wise man (laughs) but that 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 sees forward but that's that's ready to accept that his people aren't yet with him he's he's perfect isn't he yeah he's really yeah (laughs) he has the benefit of being written of course but you know yeah I mean, not, not to be not to be the guy that bashes on Trump because I I don't do this, but just as an example, the most evident.
current one that, that, that we have currently, if if Picard were to, you know, or Alien Picard were to, to meet Trump, it probably wouldn't go the same way. <laughs> wouldn't it? Indeed. <laughs> build a Dyson sphere around the Earth and make them build it. But, um, oh god, that is the wall. Oh my god, the, a Dyson sphere around the earth. Just trying to keep people out, right? Oh, good grief! <laughs> it's so true. Oi! Wow, you you're going deep today, Sean. Like I don't. <laughs> this episode inspires me. Deep, so much depth. Um. So okay, so to take it from the uh, sublime to now the ridiculous, last night on Drunk Space Nine we had a conversation. I know you don't listen to the show. I don't blame you. I hit like I on your um on your <laughs> post. You sent, you sent out a picture on Twitter of a margarita or something, and so I, had, I had to like on that. So. That's the Sumerian sunrise, and Cork uh, Cork makes oh. it for the uh, for the love of his life in the episode. Um, uh, profit and loss, which you should check out if you're if you're rewatching DS9. Well, you are rewatching. We are, we are, but we're season one for the moment. You're season one, okay? So you'll remember the the drink I made <laughs> when you guys get there. Um, but anyways, um, I won't go into great detail about how we came up with this, but we decided that it might be interesting to produce or to have a field guide or a book of the. Um, the anatomy of aliens, including their genitals, <laughs> like to, to like understand full better, anatomy, like full anatomy, right? Like, so you'd have Endorian anatomy, et cetera, et cetera. I know, and I know, you know, in the context of Drunk Space Nine, the show that this came up on, it was a little bit ridiculous, but I think it's actually kind of something that would be cool because I don't know about you, but I've always wondered since I was very young, like, what, what do they look like under their clothes? You know, like, are, do they just look like, you know, other humans? And I, and I, we know they don't because we've seen different, like, degrees of undress for Cardassians, and uh, they've done a great job with the makeup. And on Discovery, we've now seen a naked klingon female so that's interesting and then i just found out that uh in lore andorians have four sex four genders <laughs> so well, that's, that's beta that's what they call yeah, beta canon right isn't... beta canon or lore or you know it's just not it's not official it hasn't been on screen yet it's not no. you know i i get it but it's kind it's still a cool concept that it's unofficially a neat idea i think they should incorporate it into canon i think that's neat um so at first I was like, oh, it would be neat if this book came out and it could be called like Anatomy of Star Trek Alien Species, something very serious. But I think now, based on Star this Trek episode, songs. <laughs> well, well, based on this episode and with his experience, it should be called Riker's Guide to the Anatomy of Aliens. <laughs> so I think it should like Scotty's Guide to the Enterprise, but this is Riker's Guide to the Anatomy of Aliens. What do you think? Do you, like, you think that's like a good idea? <laughs> it's, it's, I, I approve. I think it's a, I think it's a nice concept. I have seen um, like, uh, I think there's basic sketches. I don't know. Nothing of this is canon, but I have seen um, like sketches on the internet when you look for Tellarite kind of, you look for Tellarite Anatomy, that kind of stuff. Um, but it would be nice to uh, it would be nice to to go deeper in that with uh, like modern Star Trek now, um, and uh, and get some sort of official database on that. Yeah. Well, we one of the I think one of the biggest um, 
uh, reveals that Discovery made towards this subject or this topic was that uh, I guess Klingon males have two members, like two two. I don't know. Something's going on there. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I don't know. It's just. I mean, okay. So the the Discovery Klingons have essentially claws. They don't have fingers. Right. So I mean, even if they were to have um, so one penis, it might have a a spike on it or something that. We humans, actually, humans might we not actually, want to want. We actually went um, over this in a previous in a previous enterprise in a previous episode because I think Worf describes that he could he can't actually f- have a physical even though he later has one with Counselor Troy, but we don't know what a Beta Z's anatomy is like either. But um, he says something about he would hurt a human female, and so we all <laughs> we speculated. But then Milana that, exists, right? What's that? Milana. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. So She's, there's something going yeah, on. So there. something's going on there. You don't need to be drunk to talk about Klingon penises. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You don't have to be, but it's just so much more fun. <laughs> it leads to so many other problems, but it's so much more fun. <laughs> but uh, but this wasn't on Drunk Space Nine. This is actually a serious Starfleet boy uh, discussion. So we were wondering. You know, that's I think the first time I was wondering. But I guess it's interesting. Like Star Trek does hint at these things, and certainly Discovery's a lot more has taken that further than we've ever seen it so i am you know i think now's the time to release this book and i highly think if someone else wants to take this idea if you never heard of it before thought of it roll with it but make sure you call it riker's guide to federation species or like something like that because <laughs> he's definitely had the most experience uh okay now that we're done with the ridiculous <laughs> what what other notes do you have about this episode um, I have, um, I have ridiculous minor notes that just stood out to me for some reason. Sometimes I, I write things down that don't really matter. He says, uh, he wants, uh, one of the guys at the hospital says that he wants a guard 29 hours a day. Oh, that was um, right, right. That was, was an nice. interesting was just, That was a nice little moment, yeah. It Gosh, is. It's it? just nice to, <laughs> it's the kind of details that makes it all more, um, believable that we're somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like how, because this isn't the only episode where Data does this, but he's so sensitive about how you call him. And he goes, I'm an artificial life form. <laughs> he goes, I'm, I'm not a robot, and I'm, I'm not an android, I'm an artificial life form. He's it's so politically true. correct about his, his existence and his status, well, but he, <laughs> his he, race, he, I suppose. But, um, he, well, he's the only one, so in a way, it's a little. It's very personal for him because he's. That's it. Like, there's not. There's. He's a unique thing in the universe, apparently, or the galaxy know, at he, least. He gets all, um, you know, high and he mighty does. about it. I mean, these people <laughs> just just discovered that there's a federation, right? I mean, come on, cut them some slack. Anyway. I think I I want to be known as an artificial life form. I think it's a good designation. What kind of like. What kind of interesting legal ramifications does an artificial life form have? That's going to be an interesting question when we finally get there. As of as of now, <laughs> yeah. As of now, you as, never, of, as of now, you're, you're your nothing. property. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I could buy you technically. So don't, don't go don't go down that route. But all right, fine, fine. <laughs> you know, it's just something that he. he cool. I, I wrote it down because he often he often them. says that. I never in all my years of watching Star Trek caught that. That's a really cool thing. I've always just called him an android. <laughs> mm. No, he, he goes over it um, often, actually. 
He's easily offended. Is uh, it enough to have a <laughs> ticket there? Is it, you know, it is nighttime here. Is it enough? To, is it enough to create a drinking game out of it? <laughs> I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't right. think so. Unless your drinking game like involves watching seven seasons of Star Trek. But... <laughs> the ultimate drinking game. Can you stay awake for seven weeks? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> Anyway, um... That's funny. I don't know. I, I suppose the the biggest, most um, kind of impactful moment to me um, is when Picard and Troy just beam down to the planet in the office of this scientist, right? And oh, the, the I, actual... I, I, yeah, like that, that meeting. The moment yeah. that they initiate first contact. And... You, you, you're kind of sitting there, and I try to put myself in no position. How friggin' mind blown would you be to have two completely like alien-looking people just appear there, and then they go on to explain that they're not even of the same species? They come from different planets, and they're like, "Well, we're part of a federation." Within like what two minutes, they beam you up to their ship, and then they bring you to ten forward. There's a Boli in there. He's got blue skin. That's right. Um, I mean, it would just be so overwhelming. And we're prepared for this in the sense that we watch science fiction. We wish for this every day. I, I wish there's a spaceship that could beam me up. I would say hi, <laughs> send me back down. Like, that, was, that was awesome. But, I mean, even if you're pre- prepared, you're never prepared for that kind of stuff. It would just be... I can't... Yeah, even though, I, like you said, like we have imagined this scenario so many times one can't even fathom what the actual thing would be like but so so just Hmm. knowing yourself how far off from her reaction would your reaction have been like how do you think she reacted and like how do you think you would have reacted differently if if so in that situation like well i think that tng didn't take into consideration how like at the time, cosplaying and that kind of stuff wasn't as big. Today, um, my first reaction would probably be like, "Nice cosplay," um, right? And they'd be like, right. "No, like I'm 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 a real extraterrestrial life form." Or she did say in that one scene, she's like, "Is this so so and so and so and so's idea of a joke?" Oh, she like- com- yeah, she and then she compares it to like a, I suppose a holographic program or some sort of game that she played. Right, and she says, right. like, I, I keep wonder, like, wondering when it's all going to disappear or something. And I suppose, yeah, but, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't be one of those people that would be scared of being probed. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't fortunately, know how I would react. It fortunately, would be very the Federation scary. has very passive probing. But <laughs> I think I'd be like, I need to call my wife. Can I call my wife? Like, can she come? Can I'm we do sure. this together? It's not something that I want to do alone, right? But I'm sure Picard would be like, "Indeed,", Indeed. Um, and I'll have it. Yeah, the, uh, the scientist. I felt so um, moved and, and touched by the the performance and the character because I mm. I did sense like there were moments where you could tell like the actress kind of I don't know how she played. I don't know how to describe it, but like to me, it looked like the the character was like on the verge of crying the whole time from just like 
a, a mix of emotions, everything from like euphoria and wonder to like um, fear, uh, even of like maybe, wait, you know, like these people are so powerful. Like, what are they going to do? You know, like, but I don't, I think there was very little of that for her character uh, specifically. But yeah, the whole, that was conveyed really well with this like reservedness, which I think that's how the, that's what, how she reacted. I would have been like bouncing off the walls and like, Oh my God, this is, you know, like crazy. I would have said that probably like a million times. So I definitely would have reacted a little differently than, than she did, but I liked it. I liked her. I liked the way that they chose to play that. Um, I'm jumping all over the place just talking about like a fictional episode. So if this happened to me for for real, I would be mad. (laughs) I do agree. The performance Um, was really good. Um, Her and everyone in this episode, there's not one person that acts bad or mediocre. Everyone acts really well. And we only go, we only have three locations. We have the hospital, the president's office slash um her office you know and then yeah. and then ship. The, the ship so it's a very like you know that it can it feels bigger than it actually is which is interesting too and i think that like the medical oh that's another character that we didn't talk about yet but you have the you have her you have the president and then the 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 director of the oh. hospital uh or yeah the lead doctor whatever he is like the lead of, leader of his division or whatever um i really love the doctor, Mr. Doctor Man. I love Mr. the Dr. scene. Man. <laughs> I love the scene where Mr. Mr. Uh, old Fashioned uh, is insisting that he wakes Riker up um, to to like you know to interrogate him. And the guy's like, if if I if that happens right now, this guy's gonna die. And you know I, whether he's you know one of our you know whether he's Melkorian or whatever or an alien or something else um i'm gonna uphold my oath and i'm not gonna do it and that and then the guy of course is such a i dick. will not sir <laughs> yeah i will not sir. but then the other guy's such a, a a jerk and he's like well i'll just find someone who does and of course he he finds the guy the other character who's the total opposite who's like so freaked out about this and like conspiracy theories and like all that stuff you know and so that guy of course wants to wake him up and really well done and then bb newworth's character of course like you know that whole thing and i think the whole story just like felt so much bigger than it actually was and and now that i'm thinking about it with all this discussion about it it's like it's a really dense episode they like packed a lot of like things into it that i didn't realize um so going from modern television back to tng which is late 80s early 90s television yeah this one would have been um, in the early 90s i think yeah yeah, well, season four is early nineties, I think. But going back from today's television to that television, you feel a kind of slow-paced uh, way of making episodes. Simply because there's less stories going on at the same time. It it is episodic. It's not serialized, and just there was, uh, I don't know, the episodes spent more time on exposition they would film people looking out windows um for a couple of seconds before they started talking that kind of stuff whereas nowadays we kind of rush into everything um it's it's not necessarily bad it's just a different way of doing things it was the the older format um and so sometimes uh, sadly with some of the weaker episodes of tng you can get a little bored um and that's not because of the format it's more 
it's it's more a mix of both. The fact that the episode is a little weak and the slow pacedness of it. Um, this episode, you don't get bored one second. It just so much is happening. Um, it always yeah, keeps, keeps you going. There's, there's always something new happening with a new character and in a new place. Um, is this a is this an episode like you know? Let's say someone asks you to give them a playlist of TNG episodes, uh, top twenty. Would this episode fall? Do you think in your top twenty playlist or? And- probably, yeah. I've never really thought about uh, any any like top twenty list or anything, but this this would probably be in there. Um, m- much more than I know. Like f- people's favorites are like best of both worlds, um, and and family. The episode that follows the, that that two part and yes, those episodes are good. But if I were to condense like a top twenty list for people, I wouldn't start them off with that kind of stuff. Best of Both Worlds works because you have three seasons of TNG before. Right, you you it's a it's a payoff episode for someone who's been yeah. watching the. You're invested show, in yeah. Picard, and you know that they they killed off Tasha Yar, so you just don't know what they're going to do with Picard and Rikers's fire, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and then F- F- Family really is an episode that you need to watch once you know about Picard. So this is kind of just like one of those Which, episodic. In this episode, he gave the president Chateau Picard uh, yeah. wine. In in this yeah. episode, <laughs> he, he even explains what a raisin is. See, these are the kind of details that it may seem completely ridiculous, but you can't just have an alien and say, "Oh, drink this." And then they'll just drink it. But you, like, it's nice to add the kind of we have a fruit, which right, is called grapes, a raisin. Yeah. No, oh, it's grapes. Sorry. Gra- grapes, my bad. <laughs> but I'm but sorry. same thing. Grapes turn. No, it's okay. I, 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 <laughs> in my defense, um, it's called raisin in, ah, in French. So right, right, right. Anyway, very true. Um, so that's what I'm going for. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so no, he he explains we oh, have grapes. Indeed. We make an alcoholic beverage. <laughs> the wine is made with the raisin. <laughs> yes, it is very good. All right, sir. <laughs> but I, I like the detail. I liked how he explained what it was before. And the other guys, oh, we have something similar. Of course, everything on your planet looks very similar to what we have on Earth. Um, of course, you have wine. <laughs> I mean, I l- <laughs> what kind of what kind of crummy planet doesn't have wine or beer, right? But- it's true. I feel like it's also yeah, and it it somewhat perturbs me, but also comforts me that um, Star Trek is trying trying to propose the idea that somehow humans were seeded, you know, like not humans, but like life was seeded by these like humanoids, and that's why the humanoid life is so prevalent in the universe. I. I hope I'm alive to see the day that we make first, you know, first contact with another, mm. another, you know, type of uh, of life form. And I would love it if it's just. I mean, who knows? But like, it, it would be amazing if it's like something I couldn't have imagined. Like, if it's not a humanoid, it would be amazing. Like, what if, what if, like, you know, alien life is so. Uh, diverse that um, you know it, it could be anything <laughs> do, do you really want that do you really want like the first alien race we discover to be like some kind of slug yeah, or uh, a so praying down. mantis looking kind of thing <laughs> I'd, I would actually be down I think there's a really good the film. first question humanity asks is literally can we fuck it 
<laughs> I mean, if it's a Riker's slug. guide to alien anatomy. If it's a if it's a praying mantis looking thing, chances are no. So- I can guarantee. I can guarantee that. Uh, humans will figure out a way to have sex with anything. Like so, any, I mean, any, we already have humans that have sex with trees and things like that. Everything so, right. that exists on this earth <laughs> has been in, in a precarious situation. Um, but I, I just a, a <laughs> just a friendly reminder. I think we're okay, but we're PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Yes. Okay. Here we go. But you're welcome to be a designated driver on Drunk Space Nine. I mean, I think you would enjoy uh, hanging out on that show. Uh, I got a hint there that I think you would enjoy. But um, and 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 an audience that is fun. a plug. I, I would. Awesome. I would buy myself nice. some, some alcoholic <laughs> beverages if I were to come. I wouldn't do it often though. But. No, it's not. I don't recommend often. In fact, we do it intermittently because neither of us want to become alcoholics and. Um, if we did it every week, like Starfleet Boy, it would be a problem. So it's like <laughs> we take long breaks. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> um, I you covered pretty much everything that I had in my notes too. I think the only other, <laughs> well, sorry. So back to like having sex with an alien species. Oh. I was thinking more from the perspective of like if it looked like a man, a giant mantis. Let's say I think people would would be seriously freaked out so yeah from that perspective like i totally agree with you because like if it looks humanoid at least there's something i can relate to you know like vulcans basically just have pointy ears otherwise you you know you can't tell them apart from humans at least not on the outside um and then you know but like if we met an andorian there would still be you know something from a very familiar form to it Mm. Um, but imagine Tholians. Like, what if first contact? That's that's where I was going. Would have been like with a Tholian. Like, yeah, that would be crazy and like really you don't difficult. Want, like, you don't, even a Gorn. I mean, <laughs> you don't want that. Indeed, <laughs> you don't want that. That's all he does. It's like, it's like, and then he gives them the little, the little thing. Hold on. And the Academy Award goes to. <laughs> the host of Starfleet Boy. Captain Kirk. I will kill you. <laughs> and then he rips his shirt and I just saw was that I don't know where I saw that. I think it was on, on YouTube that apparently in that in that episode the Gorn tosses him and his shirt is intact and then in the in the close up shot it's ripped. So like Ooh. it like <laughs> they just did it for like the sake of like they're like oh we need to rip Captain Kirk's uh, how shirt. dare they I know. how dare they indeed yes <laughs> something I did not cover okay so if people are, are, are like paying attention to any of this if people are both if people are both watching my uh, discovery reviews and then listening to this I missed something in my review that I, I forgot to mention it's not it's not too bad that's it's just really meta what you're doing right now. It's, yeah, like... it, it's insane no but in the last episode of discovery they they do a warp the spore jump and Stamets uh, wakes up and says Tilly reboot the system mm. and then they they hard cut to the bridge with Saru on the chair, and he turns and talks to Stamets. It's like, how is he already on the bridge? <laughs> <laughs> he just told Tilly to reboot the system, and then 
like just one cut <laughs> he's on the bridge right he they don't have some... him walking off the wait he's not like walking off the no, turbo lift in, in the chamber and he says no he's in the chamber and then he's next to saru like <laughs> Ooh, interesting i have to yeah. i have to go watch just for that maybe stamets has superpowers i still think there's room for that and in, in uh with all the mycelial stuff okay well <clears throat> Guardians I, of the Federation now. So I wonder what the this is going to be a new segment for our Starfleet boy, our regular TNG discussion, and the new segment is I wonder what the mycelial network is doing right now. So, <laughs> so like we clearly know that at some point the mycelial network disappears, goes underground. It's not talked about ever again. No one really like cares about it, right? So what do you what do you think the mycelial network is doing at this moment in TNG when they're well, making it, first contact with the Melkorians? If it hasn't been completely destroyed by uh, the Federation or beings that were trying to exploit it, then um, it's probably just hiding out in subspace, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Chilling. Chilling. Okay, so fair to say that that's what it's going to be doing most of the time. <laughs> so are we, are we going to do some sort of ridiculous update where in every episode think, we see oh, it's still chilling. It's, <laughs> it might have to become a new segment. Audi- the audience will have to let us know in the comments section below uh, after they like and share this video and subscribe. So there, I did it. Yes. <laughs> I'm being a good YouTube Academy uh, <laughs> graduate here. Um yeah, so <laughs> on that note, it's time to give it a rating, I guess. It is. All right, so is this one of those where we have to to- like toss a coin to see who goes first, or uh, should I just go ahead and go first? <laughs> I think that we're going to establish a rule, all right, well, at all least right. that applies to us two, okay. which is the person that does the episode uh, summary goes last with the ratings. I like it. I like it. Approved, ratified. New rule. Very good. Okay. <laughs> um, I have to give this episode a nine. Uh, I think it's it's actually like a 9.5 now that I think about it even a little bit more. I really, really like this episode. I was also trying to think, you know, uh, uh, do the like, I'm sure it's riddled with, you know, kind of flaws here and there, little points, but they're so minor compared to the overall um, success of the episode on on every level, as you mentioned and brought up, you know the the subtle things with the writing, just like mentioned, you know, just like describing what grapes are and like, um, you know, Counselor Troy, you know, uh, being present at, and just the way it was all done, it was all just done really well. Um, but also just how it made me feel. <laughs> so the episode gets a nine point five because of the feels. Um, I definitely relate to the scientist. I want. I would not give up that choice. I would ask the same exact thing, uh, especially if I were uh, um, if I were the person who if the if the civilization was like the Federation. I would definitely want to be a part of it and go with it. And uh, a final note on that: she's not the only person that she's who kind of shares this kind of like leaving things behind it reminds me of jillian from star trek 4 she's a time refugee and so she like she's like literally like kind of a similar situation and for her that whole movie is first contact with her own people you know but 
then she oh, meets Spock. Fucking thinks, Spock. That's <laughs> the first Okay. It's awesome. <laughs> yes, it's. I think you're right in the sense that it, it embodies a spirit and an idea and a fantasy that every human, not every human, but a lot of humans have. And I certainly, I certainly share that, that fantasy. So kudos to this episode. Your turn. <laughs> um, and you don't have to justify it like I did, but. <laughs> uh, well, can. I don't have to, but it's, it's also a 9.5. Um, Yay. Wow. I, I, was ast- I was astonished that your rating was going to be slightly lower than mine, actually. But no, it, it is also a 9.5. I don't give it a 10 because. You don't give 10. I probably won't give, I probably won't give anything a 10. It really has to be the flawless thing and nothing is I will always find something to, 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 to say but this is this is Star Trek at its best um, and I think everyone and anyone could and would enjoy this episode yeah yeah and it can be an episode uh, an episode that um, I think it can be an episode that you introduce some people to Star Trek with like I think friends of mine who are scientists who don't watch Star Trek, which I feel is very surprising because I'm like, what? <laughs> Why did you even become a scientist? You don't like Star Trek? But I would <laughs> I would definitely introduce them to this episode among among some of the others that like where I think they'd be very impressed with the way that the show, you know, deals with situations and presents them. So very nice. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up our discussion of um, First Contact, the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 15. Yep, yep, yep. I look forward to uh, joining you again very soon to talk about the next one. If you're around, it is the Leah Brahms episode, so it's going to be very juicy. It's the one where Jordy uh-huh. meets the real <laughs> Leah Brock. <Brons. Uh-huh. laughs> so, live long and prosper, and we'll see you next time. Oh.